0: Our scripture this morning will come once again from the gospel according to Luke. Luke chapter 22. Luke chapter 22. And while you're turning, I'll share. It's just uh, one of the, I think, one of the privileges of being able to be a part of this church, which I am so grateful for, is the way that. Uh, with the music that we have and our variety of our services. But today on a World Communion Sunday, to be able to experience uh, music from around the world uh, is just such a blessing, and I hope it's as much a blessing for you. Luke chapter 22, beginning of verse 14, where Luke writes, When the hour came, he, meaning Jesus, took his place at the table, And the apostles with him. He said to them, I have eagerly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I tell you, I will not eat it again until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. Then he took a cup, and after giving thanks, he said, Take this and divide it among yourselves. For I tell you that from now on I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. Then he took a loaf of bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to them, saying, This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And he did the same with the cup after supper, saying, This cup is poured out for you. It is the new covenant in my blood. But see, the one who betrays me is with me, and his hand is on the table. For the Son of Man is going as it it has been determined, but woe to that one by whom he is betrayed. Then they began to ask one another, which one of them it could be who would do this? This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Almighty God, we give you thanks for your holy word and for the privilege of studying it together. And now as I stand before these were people, I pray that this would be your message and not my own, through the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. i often wondered if I knew exactly when I was going to die, how that might change the way I live my life. I mean, if I knew exactly, if I knew, for example, that, that I was going to live to be 100 years old, I might change the way I live the remaining 47 years of my life might change the priorities a little bit might change what I you know the bucket list might might be a little different but if I knew that I was going to die next week probably have a totally different list total different set of priorities different things that I want to do I want to be with my family I want to I want to make sure that I get to say the right things and I want to I want to make sure that I get to give all the hugs that I can possibly give and to share the love that I can possibly share. It would be different if I knew. I've often wondered if if God said, if you want to know, I'll tell you, if I really would want to know. I mean, I I think I would just become preoccupied with it. i got ten years left. Nine years, eleven months. Nine years, ten months. Nine years, six months. Oh, No. I can just imagine that that would just be constantly on my mind and and, and to think I, I have 10 months left, just 10 months. Or I have 10 days left. How would it affect my life? What would my priorities be? What would your priorities be? What would be most important to you if you knew you only had a few days to go? I've often heard it said you should live every day as if it were your last, but plan your life as if it were not. Live every day as if it were your last, but plan your life as if it were not. So I've wondered, how would, how would I want to spend my last few days? Jesus knew his time was close. For us, that was a hypothetical series of questions, but for Jesus, he knew. He knew exactly. He knew that in just a matter of days... He would be hanging on a cross. He knew he was sharing final moments with his disciples. He knew my time on earth, my ministry here is just about done. So look and see what Jesus did. How did he spend his final days? If you look just back one chapter at the end of chapter 21 in the Gospel of Luke, Luke tells you, verse 37, every day he was teaching in the temple. And at night he would go out and spend the night on the Mount of Olives, as it was called. But all the people would get up early in the morning to listen to him in the temple. And when Jesus knew that his time was short, when Jesus knew that that his days were numbered, when Jesus knew that, that my ministry is here just about done, what did Jesus set as his priority? To make sure that we get it. To make sure that we understand this God. Who so loved the world. This God who was so powerful that he could create the world by simply saying the word. But this God. This God who so loved that world that he never gave up on it. In spite of all the times that we messed up, God never gave up. I mean, if you read through the Old Testament, our disciple class now, we're beginning that journey through the Old Testament, and you see time and time again where God loves the people, redeems the people, forgives the people, enters a new covenant with the people, they blow it. It's no time. And God forgives the people, redeems the people, loves the people, a new covenant with the people, and we go good for a while, but then the longer we go, the... The sooner we forget, and so pretty soon they mess up again and again and again and again and again. But Jesus wants us to know about this God who never gave up on us, this God who ultimately loved us enough to put on human form, to put on flesh and blood and come and live among us to teach us of this God of love and grace. And this God, to teach us of this God who was preparing to die for us. So that through his death we might be forgiven and through his resurrection we might have life. Jesus spent his time teaching because he wanted us to be in a relationship with him. He, he wanted us to live and to be his disciples. But when we get to this scripture, Jesus knows it's tomorrow. When will I die? Tomorrow. And how does Jesus spend that time? I mean, he knows that tomorrow he will be on a cross. Tomorrow he will be pronounced dead. Tomorrow things will change. And Jesus knows that that he's about to be betrayed. And he knows that the one who is to betray him has already sealed the deal. He knows the money has already exchanged hands. The betrayer has done his job. See, we're told in Luke that every day Jesus taught in the temple and every night he would go to the Mount of Olives. So Jesus, of course, knew where to find him. He knew where to find him. So Jesus knew, I'm about to be betrayed. He knew that his lead disciple was going to deny him. His lead disciple, you know the one that when Jesus said, who do you say that I am? And, and, and Simon spoke up and said, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. you Remember Peter? when Jesus changed his name and said, I'm going to change your name to Peter Petros, which means rock, he called him Rocky. Remember Rocky? And Jesus knew that Rocky, just in a few hours, will become a mere pebble. He will crumble. He's going to crumble under the pressure. He knew. I mean, if I knew I I was going to die tomorrow, I knew tomorrow. Who would I want to be with? How would I want to spend my time? I mean, I would want to know that my wife is right here with me because when I'm stressed, that's, that's the one who I want right nearby. You know, she just seems to know how to handle that. I'd want my kids nearby. I, I'd want to be able to share my love with them. When I'm stressed, I want to be around my family. And Jesus' stress? Oh, you couldn't imagine much more. As a matter of fact, we're told that in just a few hours from now, Jesus will go to the Mount of Olives. He'll kneel down to pray in the Garden of Gethsemane. And he'll be in such agony that his sweat will become like drops of blood. And That's called hematidrosis, which is when you're, you're, you're so anguished. It's when your nerves are about at their end. It's when you just can't hardly seem to take it anymore and the little capillaries under the skin actually begin to crack open and and the blood begins to seep through the skin. It becomes incredibly painful, sensitive to the touch because Jesus' nerves are shocked because he knows. And he prays, God, if there's any other way, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but thy will be done. He knows. He knows. So how did Jesus want to spend those final hours? I love Luke 22 verse 15. Jesus said to them, "I have eagerly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer." I know what's coming and I have and I've been waiting for this. I've been into, I could not wait to be with you guys. I could not be, wait to be with you all. I couldn't wait to be able to spend some time with you. Eugene Peterson paraphrases the Bible. Now, the difference between a translation and a paraphrase is a translation is when you take the Hebrew from the Old Testament or the Greek from the New Testament and and you translate it word for word into the English language, for example. But a paraphrase is when you, you take those scriptures and you kind of rework it into what's the idea, what's the thought, you kind of put it in your own words. And Eugene Peterson, a biblical scholar, puts it this way. He said, Jesus said to them, you have no idea how much I've looked forward to eating this Passover with you before I suffer. Imagine that. You have no idea how much I've looked forward to eating this Passover with you before I suffer. And and what's amazing is that around this table with Jesus are his disciples, around this table with Jesus are his friends, but around this table with Jesus is also the one who just betrayed him, set him up for betrayal, and Jesus knew it. Jesus knew. And Luke does something that's different than Matthew or Mark, so you kind of need to catch this. Luke makes sure that we understand that Judas was there throughout the Passover celebration and throughout the Lord's Supper. He was there. Luke tells us that it was after the Lord's Supper that Jesus named the betrayal. In other words, Luke wants us to understand because Luke is concerned for the least, the last, the lost. Luke is concerned for those who are marginalized. Luke is concerned for those who are are the ones who really messed up, but he wants to be able to show you that no matter how bad you messed up, Jesus still loves you. So even though Jesus knew that Judas had messed up and was betraying him, had already changed the hands of the money, knew that the deal was there, Luke tells us that he was still at the table when Jesus shared the supper. And that's important because in biblical times, if you ate with someone, it meant your friends for life. If you ate with someone, it meant that you had a relationship. If you ate with someone, it means you accept them. And so, even though Jesus knew that he was about to be betrayed by Judas, he says, I still want you at the table. I mean, he could have simply said, Now, before we eat this thing, one of y'all messed up. And I'm not eating till you're out of here. But Luke says that's not what happened. That even though Judas messed up, Jesus invited him to the table. Even though Judas was messing up, Jesus invited him to the table. And Peter, he knew Peter was going to deny him. Actually, just go down a couple of verses to Luke 22 31. Jesus says, Simon, Simon, listen. Satan has desired to sift you like wheat. I, mean, I just can't imagine that. Of all people to tell you, no, I just want to tell you something, the devil's after you. I mean, that'd be bad enough, but when Jesus comes up to you, when Jesus comes up, puts his arm around, you, you just need to know something more. The devil is after you. He's demanded to sift you like wheat. I think I would just, I think I'd start sweating profusely. Oh my gosh, what are we going to do? But then Jesus said, but I have prayed for you. I have prayed for you that your own faith may not fail and that you, when once you turn back, because you're going to crumble, will strengthen your brothers. And he said to him, Lord, I'm ready to go with you to prison and to death. And Jesus said, I tell you, Peter, the cock will not crow this day until you have denied three times that you even know me. Jesus knew, he knew. Simon is going to deny me three times still want to eat with you. I still invite you, even you, to the table. I have eagerly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. And the Passover, that was the high holy day of the faith. I mean, it would be like us saying, "I, I, I wanted to make sure that I celebrated Christmas with you. You know, one of those high sacred holy days in our faith. And And the Passover was that high holy day where in the Jewish faith they remembered when the children of Egypt were held in captivity and in slavery in Egypt. And and how God delivered the children of Israel out of slavery into the promised land. But, But how that was a miserable long 40 year journey. And it wasn't an easy journey but God heard them crying and delivered them. And offer them salvation. That's what the Passover was all about. It was a a holy day. The preparations were intense. You had to make sure the house was all purified. and White linens laid out everywhere. And had to have the candles in place. I mean it wasn't just something you go let's get together and do the Passover. You had to plan this thing because well you had to have matzah. Which was the unleavened bread. The flat bread. Why flatbread? Well, it was a reminder. You see, everything about the Passover was a reminder. When you did the Passover, God said, I want you to do this every year. I want you to celebrate with your family. When your children ask, why are we doing this? You've got to be able to tell them. You can't forget that this is important. This is who you are. You need to remember this. So the flatbread... That was a reminder that when our ancestors were fleeing out of Egypt, they didn't have time to let the bread rise. I mean, they didn't have time to roll it out let it let it rise up and be nice and fluffy. They were eating on the run. They were eating on the run. And so they rolled out the bread, but they had to cook it immediately because you didn't have time to sit around and rest. At the Passover, they would lie down on their... Their side and, and rest on their left elbows around the table in a reclined position because it was a way of saying, our, you know, our ancestors had to run, but, but we can relax. So we ate the flatbread and the egg, which was a symbol of, of spring and rebirth. And, and then they had the bitter herbs, you know, the kind of herbs like horseradish. That makes you—you you just take a, a big bite of that by itself. How you—you kind of have to make that face, and no matter how hard you try not to, you just can't help it. You gotta—you gotta, you gotta kind of grimace just a little bit. A few nights, a few weeks ago, actually, we had a, a dinner with our family, extended family, and and one of my nieces was there with with her daughter, you know, a toddler now, and she was sitting there in the little high chair, and and somebody convinced her, why don't you give her a piece of the lemon? And so they did. And we watched as this little child, you know, took the lemon and put it in her mouth. And then she would just grimace and shiver all over. But yet hadn't quite got to the point of being able to go, so don't do that again. (laughs) And so she'd put it back in her mouth and grimace and shiver all over. And everybody would laugh. And then she'd do it again and again. I mean, it became the entertainment of the evening. Well, the horseradish at the table, so you wouldn't forget, those were bitter times. Our ancestors had some bitter times. I mean, it would make you grimace. Stuff they went through would make you shiver all over. You're not to forget that. You're, you're never to forget that. When you do that, when you eat that bitter herb, remember that. And, and they had the horosa. And that was this mixture of walnuts and wine and cinnamon and apples. And it was all mixed up together because, remember how when our ancestors were slaves, they had to make the bricks and the mortar for the pharaoh so he could build up his kingdom? And so when we eat this, we're reminded of how our ancestors had to mix mortar on a regular basis. And it was never enough. It was never enough. When we eat this, we remember they, they went through some hard times and parsley they would they would eat the parsley which was symbolic of uh, of springtime but yet at the same time they would dip it in salt water and so they would taste that saltiness whenever they they did it cuz that was to remind you remember how much our ancestors cried i mean it was horrible there were a lot of salty tears our people had it rough and god was delivering them but but they cried a lot and so they they would dip. That's what Jesus was doing with the disciples. When they sat down at the table, they were remembering. They were going through it all. And, and there was the shank bone, which was the, the, the lamb bone. And, and that's because they took the blood of the lamb over the doorpost to protect the, the children of Israel from death. And then there were four cups of wine. There was the cup of freedom, the cup of deliverance, the cup of redemption, and the cup of release. And and throughout the night, as they retold the story, they would taste the wine to remember God's deliverance. And and then there was the fifth cup, which was the cup of Elijah. Because Luke kind of throws this a little bit. He goes, Jesus had this cup, and he did bread, and he did a cup. Well, that's because it's all part of this Passover celebration. And the cup of Elijah, Elijah the prophet was was said to come back before the Messiah would come. And and so when the family would get together and have the Passover meal, they left the door of the house open. You leave the door open. Why? Because we're saying, Elijah, you're welcome into our home. And then they would even set an extra place at the table and leave it empty because it was a way of saying, Elijah, come, Lord, come. Bring us the Messiah. Whenever you do this, make sure you tell the children the story. Everybody needs to know the story. Tell the stories because this is who we are. You you can't afford to forget this. Whenever you do this, remember this. And then they sang hymns. Well, Jesus does something interesting. He celebrated this Lord's Supper, this Passover meal with them. But then then he takes bread. And he, he blesses it and he breaks it and he gives it to the disciples. And he goes, now... Here's something else I want you to do. I want you to eat this. Take and eat. Because this is my body. I'm about to die for you. I'm about to give my own body for you. So whenever you do this, because everything else we did, talked about how God had delivered, God is delivering again. And when you eat this, you, you can't ever afford to forget it. Don't come up here and just grab a piece of bread. It's not just bread. This is my body which is given for you. Whenever you do this, remember this. Remember, remember me. And after the supper, he took another cup. Now, this is the sixth cup. This is a, this is a cup we haven't had in our liturgy before. But, but Jesus says, now, I want you to take this. And he blesses it and he, he gives it to the disciples and he said, take and drink from this cup, every one of you, because this, this is my blood. And this is given for you for the forgiveness of sins. This is the blood of the new covenant. Because God had a covenant before and God delivered before, but God's about to deliver you in a way you can't even imagine. I'm about to give my blood for you, and this is the blood that can forgive your sins. This is what can wash away all your sins. So you take and drink this, and every time you do this, you remember me, because you can't afford to forget this. This is part of who we are. It's part of who we are. Today, we, the church, join together across the world. And once again, we come to this table because Jesus says, there is nothing that I'd rather do more than to to be at this table with you right now. I've eagerly desired to be with you at the table. And now, across our world, and with the time differences now, remember, people have been coming to the table for a while today. But the body of Christ, different languages, different cultures, different denominations, different nations, all people who believe in Jesus Christ coming to the table today. For, for today, we get a glimpse. We get a glimpse of the kingdom of God. Because all of God's children are invited to God's table when God says, there's nothing I'd rather do than to be with you right now. And the beautiful thing is, as Christ our Lord invites to his table Even us. Because some of us, we probably betrayed him in the past. But Jesus doesn't say, we're not coming to the table until you get out of here. He actually says, I really want you especially here for this. Because I still love you and I'm dying for you too. And some of us may have denied him. And Jesus is not saying, we're not coming to this table until you get out of here. Actually, I know you've denied me. I know you're going to deny me again. But I'm dying even for you. And so there's nothing I'd rather do than to have dinner with you right now. In other words, he says, I eagerly desire to eat this meal with you. And our response, but Lord, I'm not worthy. And he goes, I know. That's why it's called amazing grace. And your response, I'm humbled and I'm honored to kneel at your table. Because there's nothing that we would rather do, Jesus, than to share this meal with you.